0: This is Lisa and Jason from the Designated Quizzers podcast,
1: and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World.
2: If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me.
0: And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation
2: episode 254 the funniest movie scenes of all time Welcome to the show. I'm Chris McBride, along with Derek Myers. And this, of course, is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. This week, we're going to be taking a look at the funniest movie scenes of all time. So who better to join us as we laugh our way through the next hour or so than our old friend, Greg Martin. Greg, welcome back to the show, my friend.
1: Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Always
2: a pleasure. It's always good to have you on. You know, it's funny. You become kind of our resident music expert around here you know a lot of the time like when you join us um we usually talk about music whenever you come on but one thing that i i gotta be honest one thing i've always appreciated about you is your sense of humor so i thought you'd be like perfect to join us for this topic derek actually I have a question for you on that you've known greg a long time way longer than me was he always a pretty funny guy? Like was he known oh, God, for his yeah. humor back in I figured it would be. A-
0: absolutely. Uh so <laughs> I, I mentioned this before. Greg and I met at university. We were roommates at uh, in first year school, so we've known each other since 1993. It's been a long time. And uh you meet a lot of people when you first start uh, you know when you go to school like we you know, you move away from home for the first time and you mm. you you know, you meet a whole bunch of people. Some you make friends with and stay friends with some you are friends with because they live next to you or they're your roommates or whatever for that year and then you never talk to them again but yeah I always Greg to this day you're one of the funniest people I know and and just like you said Chris almost everybody I know that that, that Greg and I are common friends with it's always they're like Greg's the funniest guy so whenever I have a good story I'm like hey guys I was talking to Greg they're like oh yeah let me buckle in for this one
2: you know? <laughs> that's why
0: I that thought you'd be perfect be
2: To join us for this week, so I'm so glad that he was available. Um, So before we get started, we dive into all the laughs and our favorite uh, funny movie scenes of all time. Derek, anything uh, new in the world of pop culture for you, my friend? Like, what can you uh, educate me on this time around?
0: Yeah, so talk about new... Mm-hmm. all the things I'm going to talk about are like a year old or, or like within the last year, pretty much, which well, is an area area usually, of well, so. but I mean, usually I have some older, older stuff, but I've been really focusing on the new. So I think i have mentioned more than once that I've got uh, a 90 day subscription to Apple TV and I'm just binging everything I can before I cancel it because why well, keep it for a full year when you could binge everything in a 90 day window. <laughs> so I had a chance to watch a few things on Apple this week and they were all good. So the first thing I watched was, um, a movie with uh, Terrence Edgerton called Tetris, and it's based on the the loosely based on the real life experience of the the people that coded and built the video game Tetris, and then the publishers that managed to get it out of the Soviet union and into the world at large. And all of the political shenanigans that go on behind the scenes. Um, uh, as I mentioned, it, uh, it starts Taron Edgerton who I really like. And uh, I thought he was good in this. He has this cheesy mustache cause it all takes place in the late eighties. So that was, you know, a little bit funny to, to look at, but it was fun. It was entertaining. I- I've heard it's not entirely as accurate as they might want you to believe, but you know, you need to change a few things to make a movie entertaining. But it, it's on Apple. If you got Apple, take a look. It was pretty good. I liked it. And sticking with Terrence Edgerton, uh, you, you know, the algorithm said, "Oh, you've watched this, and you like this performer. Here's something else he was in recently." So he did a um, a mini series last year called Blackbird. It was uh, six one-hour episodes. And, and this one's also based on real life, and it's about a uh, a guy who was a uh, uh, a drug dealer, and um, he gets caught by the FBI, and they send him to jail for 10 years. And then they say, well, you know what? You're the kind of guy that people really like to talk to. There's a, a, a serial killer in a different prison not too far from here, and we're having a hard time getting a confession out of him, and we need to find out where the bodies are buried. And we think if we transfer you into his prison, you're the kind of guy that that he'll— you know, naturally like, and if you can get them talking, we'll waive the 10 year sentence. And it's based on a true story. And it was fantastic. And, uh, it, it's also stars, um, Paul Walter Hauser, who, um, He's uh, he's not your typical leading man. He's a little overweight. He's not the most pleasant guy to look at, but he's very talented. Uh, He was the star of the movie Richard Jewell a couple of years back about the uh, the security guard that that found the bomb at the Atlanta City um, at the uh, the Olympics in Atlanta that they then tried to turn the tables on and be like, oh, he did it. He did it. So like this guy is a pretty good performer. And this this Blackbird series was great. It was uh, really, really good. The performances were great. I went back and looked. It was nominated for a bunch of awards last year, so uh, it it rightly deserved. And then uh, the last thing that I had a chance to watch, uh, again, Apple TV, is the movie CODA, which won the Academy Award not just this past year, but the year before. So CODA came out in 2021. It won the Oscar for Best Picture in 2022. Uh, CODA, for those who are not aware, is an acronym. It stands for Child of Deaf Adult. And uh, so the story is about a family, a deaf family, the mom and dad are deaf, the older brother is deaf and the younger daughter is hearing. And so it's told from mostly from her point of view about someone who can hear and a family of deaf people and just the challenges that, that, that come with that. It was fantastic. I know it got a lot of crap. People were like, oh, it was just come from behind dark horse. And oh my God, I can't believe it won. I don't understand where all that criticism is coming from. I thought it was fantastic. So uh, if you have Apple TV, I recommend all of these things Start with Coda though. It was great.
2: Okay. Well, lots of stuff. Greg, anything going on in pop culture for you lately? Anything new?
1: Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, it wouldn't be me without talking about music. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I know we always talk about music. But um, Metallica, of course, a band I always bring up, uh, they recently released their 11th uh, studio album called 72 Seasons. Uh, that came out. Uh, I had a chance to actually go to a listening party the night before the album came out at the theater so i got to hear uh, all the songs and everything played like full blast full volume uh, in the theater and uh it's uh, 12 songs on the album two are just absolute bangers they are fantastic i can't wait to hear them live there's eight good very good songs in there and two throwaways so i'm pretty happy with those numbers uh you know they're getting up there in age and you're always worried that you know, your favorite band's going to put out like a real stinker of an album. So there's always that worry. But it actually came out as being uh, not a bad album. So uh, if you're interested in taking a listen, it's worth uh, taking a listen. A lot of good stuff on there uh, and worth the listen. The other thing that I took in this week. Actually, hold uh, on. I have a
2: question for yeah. you. What does sure. 72 Seasons mean? Does that
1: Seven, does that signify something? Seasons. No, it's it's a weird it's a weird title for a metal album it took me a while to get mm-hmm. used to the idea of it but what it is is that by the time you're born to when you're 18 years old you go through 72 seasons and in those 72 seasons you develop who you are going to become who you're going to be how you're going to be what your interests are going to be you develop yourself as a as a person now the thing is, is you got to remember the lead singer James Hetfield went through rehab and I get a feeling this is a rehab thing uh, that they went with as the title. But uh, it, it grew on me. I actually like it as a title now. But when they first came out and said, oh, the album title is going to be 72 seasons. I'm like, that's really weird for a metal album title. Like, it's usually like Kill Them All or <laughs> Ride right. the Lightning, you know. But now uh, that you, then, you explain what it means, it's kind of interesting. So that's Yeah, cool. They, they, cool. they seem to be in a mature phase right now. <laughs> very cool. You, you know, so... Um, And then the other thing that I I saw this week is uh, right up there in Chris's wheelhouse. And uh, if you guys actually want to review it for your podcast, it's celebrating its uh, 35th year uh, this year. Hmm. came out in 1988, and that's uh, Carl Weathers' movie Action Jackson. Oh, Oh, my God. I saw that on the TV this week. (laughs) Yeah, it was on the 80s channel, and I was going to go to bed after the, the hockey game, And I was like, "Ah, you know what, man, I'm going to take one more turn around the horn here and see what's on. (laughs) And uh, I I stumbled upon the beginning of Action Jackson. Now, it got 33% or 36%, excuse me, on Rotten Tomatoes. But I feel that's not deserved. it. It was a lot better than 36%. (laughs) But uh, Vanity, who played uh, Prince's girlfriend in Purple Rain, uh, she was the lead actress in this one. And uh, she won a Razzie for uh, Worst uh, Actress that year. And that was deserved. Like, she was terrible. It was awful. Uh, like if if you thought she was naked in Purple Rain, you could. Uh, <laughs> she went into Lake Minnetonka. Naked. I remember. Yeah. Oh yeah. She was so yeah. They, she purified herself in the water of Lake Minnetonka, uh, <laughs> and she got naked in Action Jackson. It was it was fun to watch. My girlfriend didn't think the same way, but I thought it was <laughs> I it. thought it was great. Uh, and then I, I thought it was really funny because there was a lot of people in the movie that were a couple of people in the movie that were in Predator. And a couple of people that were in the movie that were in Die Hard. And there's one scene where Carl Weathers is actually walking by a wall full of posters that's Predator posters. Yes. So when I looked it up, apparently what happened was is there was somebody working on the set of Predator who got in Carl Weathers' ear about this movie idea he had where he wanted to create a, a police officer in the in an homage to, like, 70s black exploitation movies, you know, like Shaft and Dolomite and all that. And Carl Weathers was on board. And then Bill Duke, who was in Predator, uh, he was like, yeah, I'd be on board for that, too. And uh, the guy, I don't know his name, but the guy who played Billy, the uh, Native American in the Predator movie. He was also in 48 Hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he was in this one as well. And a couple of henchmen from uh, Hans Gruber's group in Die Hard, they were in this movie as well. And it was funny to watch too, because Craig T. Nelson was the the, the villain in this from <laughs> the guy from Coach, and they're trying to make me believe that Craig T. Nelson had like a black belt in martial arts. <laughs> yeah. Like it was like it's it's a bad movie. Like it's not a great movie, but it's just one of those movies where if it's late at night and your brain's turned off and you just want to flake out, it's 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 worth a watch just to be like, oh man, this is. This is 80s action like it was a high it was a high budgeted movie, but it came off as a low budget movie because it was just really poorly done. Yeah, but it's yeah, it was it was it was worth the watch. I'm glad I watched it.
2: And I think like when you when i now you got me thinking about Carl Weathers and I think like a lot of people think of you, know, if you were really thinking like the best Carl Weathers performance or his best movie or something, people think of like Rocky, Rocky Predator, um, you know, even the Mandalorian. They think of him. You know what I always think of him? Chubbs. In Half Gilmore. Yeah. Like that <laughs> he was so funny in that movie. Oh my god, he was so good. Oh, geez. Um, okay, so I got something for you guys. There's a new place here in my home city. It's called Sanford and Sun. So anything named after a 70s sitcom has already got my interest because you know how I operate, Derek. Basically, what it is, it's like an antiques dealer. It's got three floors of these different vendors. It's kind of like a like a like an indoor flea market kind of thing going on. So I recently, as you know, Derek, uh, I was on a quest to complete two old hockey card sets from my childhood. You know, I I have a thing for nostalgia, if you didn't know. And so I went into this place to look around and, you know, first of all, I guess I was a little, you know, disappointed there wasn't a Red Fox impersonator to greet me at the door. But I mean, hey, you know, I like this place. It was really cool. So there was two vendors in particular. I just want to give a quick shout out. One had this whole collection of old Star Wars action figures. So I was able to pick up original figures of Ben Kenobi, Chewbacca, and a Tuscan Raider. So there was that. That was really cool. And there was another vendor that I really liked. He had all these hockey cards. And then, like I was like looking around, and there was this glass case in behind that had all of these unopened wax packs of old non-sports cards. So I actually came away with unopened packs of Happy Days with Fonzie on the cover. You know how much I love Fonzie. A, an open, unopened wax pack of Jaws 2 and one of Battlestar Galactica. So, Thanks. and then another thing I just remember there was this vendor that sold the old like vinyl records, and the one that I dug out was the original motion picture soundtrack to Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 1. <laughs> I was basically in heaven this place so next time you're up for a visit we're, we're definitely gonna have to hit uh sanford and Son sun together so yeah anyway for sure. hey with those wax packs did you immediately take them home open them up and chew the gum oh absolutely you know yeah i mean i had to, like i it's a funny thing was like so obviously i left them you know uh, you know unopened and they're up over on my shelf and i was saying to my son about that i was like there's gum in there you know, like and I remember like even back like in the 70s, I, I used to collect the Battlestar Galactica cards and even the gum then was like rock hard. It would like break off and like cut the inside of your mouth and like you'd have to chew it, and chew it, and chew it before it turned into actual chewable gum. Could you imagine what it would be like now, like 40 years later? Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe you. maybe it's like a fine wine. It gets better with age. Possibly. What do you say when you come up here and uh, in that next week and we'll get together and we'll open up some of these packs, we'll look at the cards and we'll chew some gum and then we'll, we'll go from there. So it will we'll do, do some video reactions. We'll post them online. Deal. We'll be YouTube stars before we <laughs> <you> know it. <laughs> All right. So I got this for you too. Here's your dad joke of the week. Okay, guys, Juan and Amal are identical twins. Why does their mom only carry a picture of Juan in her wallet? Because if no you've idea. seen Juan, you've seen them all. Oh. Yeah. If that you guys like, instead, I if could you tell you one that,
0: I could heard tell you the joke, you joke heard... that I,
2: that I told you before we started recording. If you wanted it instead, I'd probably get arrested. <laughs> though that's the only thing. Okay. <laughs> Is there any chance you might have a documentary for us this week?
0: Derek stock Derek stock Party time! Excellent!
2: Colonel Sanders. Slow down there, Chris. Was he finger-licking good?
0: Oh, my, my, my. I can think of 11 reasons not to like that.
2: <laughs> Two of which you know are salt and pepper.
0: Oh, I heard about this.
2: Oh, my God, I don't know if we can be friends anymore. But I appreciate the effort. Back the truck up. Hold it. You know, more than just white dudes. Two of my favorite things, Star Wars and beer. <laughs> Okay, guys, we love comedy movies. I mean, like, really, who doesn't? But we wanted to take things the extra step and go through the funniest movie scenes of all time. And I, I just wanted to preface this by telling you something. Uh, we've been doing this show now for well eight. This is our eighth season. We've been doing it since 2016, and this week might be the most excited I've ever been to do the podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to believe after eight seasons, like I was so looking forward to this one. So I've basically just been laughing all week. I was sitting at the dinner table the other night and I just started laughing. And my wife was like, okay, what funny movie scene did you remember now? Because she, you know, she's getting used to this, right? And the other thing too, I just want to mention Derek, Derek, you and I were just talking recently about kind of how challenging it can be at times to, to get motivated to do the show after eight seasons. But this did it for me. You know, I think having you join us, Greg, too, just makes it all the better. This one should be a lot of fun. But before we get into that, like, you know, we prep for the show. We got to obviously think about things, do a little bit of research, kind of come to the table prepared. How hard was it to come up with your lists, Derek?
0: I got to say, this had to be one of the most difficult lists to put together. Really? Now, you, you might think. Because I've had this, I've said this before about some shows where I'm like, this was a difficult thing because I had 50 to choose from and it was hard to narrow it down. And originally, that's the problem I thought I was going to have with this was a, uh, you know, uh, an embarrassment of riches that I would have to narrow down to just five picks. But the topic we we as we described it was funniest scene, not mm-hmm. just funniest punchline. Right. And I realized that some of the movies that I feel are the best comedies that I enjoy the most, that I watch over and over again, that I think are the funniest are really just sort of set up joke, set up joke, set up joke. It's not so much funny scene. And so I didn't feel that some movies worked as well. So like, again, we don't share our list and I hope I don't step on any of your picks, Uh, but I'm thinking like, for example, a movie like Ghostbusters is a very funny movie. And I think we all agree it's great, but I couldn't really think of a scene like a two or three minute stretch that was just laugh out loud, roll on the floor funny, but I still think Ghostbusters is, is like arguably one of the top 10 best comedies. So that was where I really had a challenge mm-hmm. this week was was thinking of funny movies with funny parts, but that had that build up where it was just anywhere from a, a two minute to a five minute sequence that was just super funny. Fall off your chair, wipe a tear away. Hilarious, funny. And uh, I, I mean, I eventually got there, but. I really, really, really had to put my thinking cap on and I, I reached out normally when we do our lists, I don't like to ask for help. I don't like to ask for opinions of other people, especially because the people I'm most likely to go to listen to the show. And so I want them to enjoy the show when they listen to it and not have a sense of what we're gonna talk about. But this one I was really I was asking everybody, like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? So it, it was it was pretty tough.
2: Greg,
1: and when
0: you were I, when you were prepping for this, did you struggle as well?
1: I did. I did. Uh I was I was like Derek and that. Uh, I I must have gone I'm, I must add on my, my notebook about probably 50 or 60 different quote unquote scenes but then had to break it down to which ones were a little more extensive. Uh, and one of the things that I found myself constantly going to was ones that build up that you know they start off. Mm-hmm. A little bit slower and you kind of giggle and you know you get a chuckle and then and then you just start building up the laughter and it gets funnier and funnier and funnier Till finally like at the end you're you're in tears and so narrowing it down to the five like I think you you texted me on Saturday about being on the show and I started getting to work on that Saturday night and I, I finalized it this morning uh, yeah. Well, I think I sent it to Kay, but I finally finalized it this morning in the sense that, you know, how I was going to present it, how I was going to tell it. But it was it was a lot of work, a lot of crossing out things and uh, going, well, yeah, it was good. But is it like, you know, a whole scene good?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Let me, it, one of the other things is, I, I mean, our topic is funny of scenes of all time. Right. But really, I didn't want to do anything that was ridiculously old. So I, I was actually re-listening to some of our old episodes recently, and I had mentioned um, that I had had watched for the first time the Marx Brothers movie, A Night at the I Opera. I was just thinking of that one, yeah. And we were talking about the – when I brought it up on the show, you and I talked about the estate room scene, which is great and very funny. From A Night but, at the Opera, yeah. Y- uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. And, um, you know, again, it was funny. And from that sort of greater, bigger picture – You know, movies of the last hundred years, one of the greatest scenes. Sure, it's in the discussion, but I didn't want to be that archaic. I tried to pick things that were a lot more recent that I felt more people would have already been familiar with, have already seen. And as we describe it and talk about the scenes, they can relate to it a little better. So so there's a few older ones from Mm -hmm. like even the 60s that uh, that came up or the 70s. And I thought "Mm, those ones are probably a little too
2: old. So I tried to stick with ones that were much more recent. Well, before we get into our top five lists, one thing I, I I wanted to address. I feel like some of the greatest comedy in history is based on things that make us uncomfortable. You know, like those subjects or those issues that are sort of difficult to kind of confront. But when they're addressed using comedy, it, it helps people to face them head on like, like it. Like it that's basically the, the premise of most stand-up comics right like they tackle really uncomfortable material all the time they use humor to do it it, it sort of disarms people you know and it helps them confront you know these sometimes painful issues i guess so i, I think for me a few of the those issues might come up here because it to me that's one of the keys with comedy those things that make you uncomfortable but then when you see it laid out like you just laugh right because hey we're addressing this kind of thing so But uh, in our usual top five list format, we're going to start with our number five pick. We'll work our way up to number one. So, Greg, since you're our guest, you have the honor of kicking things off tonight for us. What is your number five funniest movie scene of all time? I can't wait to get started. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I kind of wanted to take one that was going to kind of come right out of left field. Oh, good. Um, People people will kind of be like, Oh really? I you know like I wanted to remind people they may have forgotten about it. They may have been like, oh, oh okay, yeah, now now I remember it. And I know you guys kind of crap on Will Ferrell movies a little bit, <laughs> but uh, th- this one is from 2012, and the movie was The Campaign, uh, which was Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis. Now the the scene that was hilarious isn't a Will Ferrell scene though. It's uh, the scene with Zach Galifianakis where uh, he plays like a Ned Flanders-esque type person called Marty Huggins. And uh, he's going in a campaign uh, against Will Ferrell and uh, he sits down at the dinner table with his family and, you know, they're a a very, very good family, very nice family, very suburban family. And he says, listen, you know, guys, the media is going to be scrutinizing everything we've ever done and everything we do. So... Now is the time if you've if you've done anything, and 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 you you regret something, you're embarrassed about something. Let's air it out. Let's get it out there so that you know if it does come out, you know we're not embarrassed by it. And and it starts off rather simple, like the 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 child says, "Oh well, in school I took the Lord's name in vain," and well you know Zachary Filanapis is like, "Okay, I said I wouldn't get angry, and you know, I'm not going to get angry," and then his other son looks at him and goes. Well, the other day when I went to the petting zoo, I let a goat <laughs> and, and she was like, oh, wow, okay. And then they go back to the other son. and he goes, I was drinking beer with the old biker guy down at the end of the street and he let me touch his wife's. <laughs> and so of course now Zach his wife is all flabbergasted. She's like, please breast, breast. And then the son says, oh, I go to the mall and I I, I take pictures up women's skirts going up the escalators and I have a whole photo album upstairs. And then there's a the one son says, oh, I I put a firefly up my butt to see if my farts would glow. And he's like, why? (laughs) And then then his his son says, oh, well, I shaved the dog and I took the fur and I stuck it to my testicles so I could look like a man. And then all of a sudden his (laughs) wife just pipes up and goes, I pleasure myself to Drew Carey on The Price is Right. <laughs> so, it, it the, the scene itself is hilarious because Zach Galifianakis in his Ned Flanders type way, uh, just selling is like, is just, he couldn't believe his family's like this. Like, he, he totally regrets his decision. saying just tear it out, I won't get mad. And so I thought I'd come out of left field and just uh, kind of throw something out there that, you know, not everybody might have seen. But, you know, if you haven't seen it, just YouTube the scene. It's uh, it's on YouTube. It's called The Campaign. And it was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was a good laugh.
2: The Campaign. So so I yep. don't, you know me, I don't know anything past the 80s. That's my thing. Yep. But I did go on YouTube recently and watch some uh, Zach Galifianakis doing a thing called Between Two Ferns. Oh, those are great. Oh, my goodness. He is absolutely hilarious. So I might have to check that out. That's for sure. All right. So, Derek, your number five funniest movie scene of all time. What do you got? All right. So. Uh, I have not seen Greg's pick, The Campaign. I'm not a movie I'm familiar
0: with at all, so no, I'll, I'll have to try and dig it up. And best case scenario, I'll just watch the the YouTube thing like he's suggesting. But um, I also want to say that normally when we do this show, I, I take painstaking efforts to not say any bad words to keep the editor's job easier to reduce the number of bleeps they have to do because of things I said. Oh, I think there's gonna be a lot of bleeps in
1: this. I just want to
0: front apologize to our editors that there's going to be a lot of bleeps, and a lot from me.
1: So, there's something this, is, this is the
0: uh the oh. uncharacteristic uh uh derek portion of the program we'll have that's a lot awesome. of swears
1: that's great. all right you might you might get your first fcc warning yeah no kidding we'll join the club badge of honor
0: there you go all right so my number five pick is from uh one of my favorite movies and that's the 1994 black and white film kevin smith's clerks oh. so <laughs> I've mentioned this before. I worked in the video store. Greg also worked in the video store with me. So clerks spoke to me in in a very interesting way because I could really relate to these people. I worked in a retail job. I worked in a video store. So much of it just hit home. And you got to remember when this came out in 94, there really was no Internet and there was no such thing as a podcast or a blog. So Kevin Smith basically built his career by doing movies with dialogue. And the dialogue was basically things that are now just done in podcast form. So he has nerds talking about their favorite things. Like clerks is full of like star Wars jokes and things like that, that nobody had ever really done before. But he also uh, has done a really good job of being really rude and really filthy. And uh, that's the part that I like here. So the scene that I I'm, I'm calling out is 37 (laughs) So for those who have seen it, Greg's seen it, he knows. The, uh, this has become a running gag with Kevin Smith that, that after this scene, like every movie he's done since this one, he has references to 37 because of this scene. So the main character, Dante is the main clerk. He's not even supposed to be here today. His girlfriend comes to see him at the beginning of the day. And they're having this sex conversation about like, how many sexual partners have you had? And so she mentioned she's had three sexual partners and he's like, oh, well, I've had 12 sexual partners. And that was the end of the conversation. Then a guy comes in and, and she mentioned you know, she mentioned something and, and, uh, you know, Dante basically says, oh, well, your friend can be talked into anything because he, you know, she, he, he, she with that guy. And the girl's like, no, no, I did. I said, what are you talking about? You just told me you only had sex with three people. She goes, yeah, I only had sex with three people, but I've done a lot more stuff. And she's like, well, how many guys have you? With? And she's like something like 36. And he loses his mind. He's like 36. Does that include me? 37. And then it, the scene goes on from there. It, it, it's a, a guy comes up to the counter because they're in the store. Like People are still making purchases while the dialogue is happening. And he turns to the one guy and he goes, 37, my girlfriend's <laughs> and his response, in a row? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then,
0: so they right. have a little fight. He has a, they have a little fight. She leaves and then he follows her out and he yells, hey, try not to to <laughs> on your way through the parking lot. <laughs> And there's a guy standing right there and he immediately follows her and he goes, hey, hey, you get back here. (laughs) (laughs) So that that's definitely I mean, it's a funny movie for a lot of reasons, but that just I laugh so hard every time I see it and that had to make my list. So Clerks 1994, 37.
2: That's my number five. We're at number five. I'm already laughing my head off. Yeah, this should be very, very good. Okay, my number five. I'm going with Blazing Saddles no big surprise. I love that movie. You know that. And there's so many funny scenes in this movie. Like I didn't even really know which one I should go with, but I I think the problem with this movie is, is that it's, it's, it's obviously it's a spoof about Westerns, but really it just makes fun of bigotry and intolerance, but, but it's within the context of the film. So all that really offensive stuff in the context of the film makes sense. But if you take it Out of context, it's just really offensive, or it can be offensive. So, I guess I got to navigate this one carefully. So, I think most people would say the funniest scene is the campfire farting scene, right? Probably the most famous scene in the movie. And I first saw it when I was a kid, so it made me laugh like crazy, you know, these guys farting. And then I remember when I was a kid too, I saw the movie on network TV and they censor out the farts. Really? Yes, it do was they, a bunch of guys. Do they bleep them? Do they bleep the farts? No, it's just they silence oh. them out. So it's a bunch of guys eating ke- beans around the campfire and just standing up or like leaning sideways, but there's no sounds. Cuz <laughs> they get silenced out. So like you, go figure, you can gratuitously gratuitously drop the n-word, but heaven forbid anyone should hear, you know, the sound of flatulence. My god. But the scene, you know, um, that, that I, that I want to go with it is, 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 a little bit different one. So it's actually involves this is a bit of a cheat, but it involves, and I mentioned this before, uh, a scene where something actually gets cut out of the movie. All right. The funniest line in the whole movie never made it into the film at all. It was censored out. So the scene where Lily von Stupp, Madeline Kahn gets alone with Clevon Little and the lights go off pitch black and they start to make out. And she's like, is it true what they say, how you people are gifted? And you hear her unzip his pants. And she says, oh, it's true. It's true. And the scene is over. But they cut out the funniest line of the movie because there was supposed to be another line there where he says, I hate to break it to you, lady, but you're sucking on my arm. So for me, they cut it out. Like, go figure. So the funniest scene in Blazing Saddles actually ended up on the cutting room floor. But that's number five for me. So number four, we'll cut over to you, Greg. What do you got?
1: Uh, This one actually is uh, the cleanest one I have in my in my uh, (laughs) list for today. But it was. um, I I love anytime. I love reading album reviews. Uh, They're not imperative anymore because. People don't make albums and people don't read magazines. But I, growing up, I used to love reading album reviews because I used to love the 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 way that the creativity that the person writing the album review would insult the album but sound intelligent while doing it. Like uh, one time, somebody wrote a review for a Guar album, and they and they wrote it as like an ill-timed fart in church. And I thought that was hilarious. So uh, for my number four, I'm going with in Spinal Tap when Marty DeBerg uh, reads the album reviews that uh, Spinal Tap (laughs) uh, gets for their albums. Uh, Like um, the one that I I find hilarious was uh, the Intravenous DeMilo (laughs) album. And the review was, this tasteless cover is a good indication of the lack of, of musical invention within. The musical growth of this band cannot even be charted. They are treading in water in the sea of retarded sexuality and bad poetry. <laughs> and Is that then, a good review or a bad review? No, oh no, it was all bad reviews. <laughs> and then they, they, they wrote a religious album called The Gospel According to Spinal Tap, and the review was, what day did the Lord create Spinal Tap and why couldn't he rest on that day, too? Oh, <laughs> and, then, and then the best was, uh, the, the, the album came out, it was called Shark Sandwich, and it was merely a two-word review saying, sandwich. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and, and the funny thing is, is that there's an all-girl punk band called L7, and they actually tried to come out with an album titled sandwich. <laughs> And uh, the record company wouldn't let them do it. They're like, no, no way. If we call it that, no one's going to no one's gonna sell it. So they had to change the album title to Shark Sandwich. Nice. nice. Yeah. Nice.
2: All right. all right. So I knew Spinal Tap would rear its head, especially for me, yeah. Greg. So go figure. Right. So you're number four, Derek. What have you got? Funniest well, movie scene.
0: I just want to say, I noticed as I was putting my list together, mm-hmm. it, it really, the funny scenes usually came down to d*** and fart jokes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. I mean, and, and to quote Kevin Smith, because that's in one of his movies is I think it's in Chasing Amy where they're talking about. It and he says, you know, my grandma told me years ago, the real money's in f- and fart jokes. <laughs> yeah. And it's true. I'll bet you after we do our lists, most of the stuff we have, we find the funniest are are basically that's what it comes down to. So mm. anyway, speaking of that, my next pick is the 2011 film Bridesmaids. Ah. So uh, this is the one starring written by and starring Kristen Wiig, Mm -hmm. along with a uh, fantastic ensemble of female performers. And if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm about to talk about. This is the scene where they go for the the dress fittings, the, the wedding dress fittings, and they're all suffering from food poisoning because they just had dinner at a very questionable restaurant. And this place is like very posh and you have to have like the password to get in and it's all white carpet. And of course, the, the bride has the dress on that's tens of thousands of dollars and all the women have the bridesmaids dresses on and everyone looks amazing. And then they really all start to get sick. And then they eventually they all run to the bathroom. Of course, there's not enough toilets. There's one toilet. So you have the one woman throwing up. Uh, you have, uh, the other woman, uh, help me here. I can't think of her name. Um, and Melissa she's, McCarthy? that's the one. Thank you. I knew you You're know else. who I was talking about Melissa McCarthy. Uh, she's like, you know, move, move. I need the toilet. And then the other woman won't move. So she basically McCarthy pulls up her skirt and sits on the sink and they're like, Oh no, you're not. And she keeps yelling at them. Look away, look away. And, uh, uh and then another woman comes running in and she basically goes to the, the toilet and throws up on the other woman who's already throwing up. So again, it's just this fart and vomit and the, the vile sounds and the women just being disgusted with themselves. And meanwhile, you have, uh, you know, the bride and, and her her sort of two main girls there. And, uh, you know, they're trying to hold it together and not not be sick and not do anything. And uh, the woman who's running the shop is freaking out. She's like, everyone, take these dresses off. Don't do anything <laughs> on the white carpets like she's losing her mind. And she even says she goes, there's a bathroom across the street at the cafe. Go use that. So uh, Maya Rudolph, who plays the bride, she's wearing this very expensive bride's dress. And she realizes She's not exempt from this food poisoning and so she actually runs out into the street to try and get across the street to the bathroom and of course doesn't quite make it gets halfway across the street and then basically craps herself in the middle of the street and again it's it's just sort of the, the per- perfect cherry on top of this crappy Sunday and uh, yeah, yeah it, is, it is you think that guys are gross and women comedians get a lot of crap figuratively, uh, for not being funny and like, oh, well, women can't do what guys can do. Trust me, women can be every bit as gross and raunchy as the guys and this scene absolutely proves that this is one of the funniest scenes featuring female comedians I've ever seen. It's one of my funniest scenes ever, but like, it is great. And honestly, I think if it was guys in a similar scenario, it probably wouldn't have felt as funny. I think because of just the idea that, well, they're ladies and they're at a dress fitting and they're going to be Proper, and it's a the fact that it just everything falls apart, and it just totally becomes about the poop and the diarrhea and the barf. That just makes it ten times
2: funnier. So my number four pick: the dress fitting food poisoning scene from *Bridesmaids*. All right, that's a good one. Okay, so my number four: who? When you think about comedy movies, who's funnier than Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker? So I'm going with *1984*, *Top Secret*, the cow disguise. It's so a lot of good scenes to pick from Top Secret. It's one of the funniest movies ever made. But hands down for me, the funniest scene in the movie is when the two guys from the Resistance dress up in the cow outfit. So the plan was for Latrine to go in the back of the costume and Nigel was going to be in the front half, if you remember. But when they go to put the cow suit on, Nigel changes the plans. He insists on going in the back half and they argue for a bit. And Latrine finally says, fine, be in that. <laughs> and they put the cow suit on and they start walking through the herd of, of the real cows. And this baby, <laughs> the baby calf comes up and starts sucking on one of the cows. Utters. And Nigel's all like, Oh God. Oh, oh. And Latrine's like, hurry up. We, we, we got to get, go- got to get going here. We got to get moving. And Nigel's, like, enjoying himself. So he's like, why are you always in such a bloody rush, man?
1: <laughs> it's
2: so funny. And then the calf pushes hard up on the udder. And Nigel's like, oh! And then the calf leaves. And then all of a sudden along, this big bull comes on and then mounts the cow. And Nigel screams. And in the next scene, you see him standing there. And then he starts walking. And he's walking all bow-legged. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: um, anyway, so that, that's for me is number four. The the cow disguise from Top Secret. So nice. Greg, what do you got for number three?
1: All right, well I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up because I went with a clean one for number four. Oh, here we so, go. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, uh, number three uh, comes from the South Park uh, movie. Yes, and uh, yes, when I knew it was gonna be on your list, bud. Absolutely, I have never laughed harder in the theater. Then when Uncle <laughs> came on and they uh, it was played, it was it was fantastic. It, it started like, the movie started off slow. Like The first song was uh, our quiet little mountain town. And you know, they, they, there wasn't much going on there. Like, right, I hope they kind of pick up the pace here a little bit. Like I remember I was a little surprised that it kind of started off a little slow in there. And then they, they go and find that homeless guy to, uh, to get them into the R-rated <laughs> Terrence and Phillip movie of fire. And uh, and so they're sitting there and then all of a sudden they they just start dropping all kinds of swear words that you've never heard and all that. The kids are repeating them and it just escalates so quickly and then all of a sudden the song kicks in <laughs> and it, the, 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 we're, we're talking about fart jokes uh, they, they have dueling banjos with their farts. at at one point and they're doing that and people are just so offended they're getting up and they're leaving the theater and the these two people are go by the screen this one woman goes what garbage and then the man goes well what do you expect they're canadian (laughs) And, and then at the end of this song this it goes into this giant marching band with with drums and cymbals and everything and and you think the song's over because they, they, they have that long ending where they, they, they say the F word, the F word, like just super long. And then it's like, <laughs> there's, there's this dramatic three second pause. And then all of a sudden, Philip just goes, <laughs> And, and I, I laughed during the whole song, but I've never laughed harder than that three seconds. Pause where Philip just goes because why is I was there. Like, why? Oh, I would absolutely <laughs> kill for every song to finish that way. Like, like you know, Titanic, the love theme from Titanic, My Art Will Go On, right? So just drops it. Yeah. <laughs> but make that song so much better. Just so much better. So I, I remember being, I was with Derek in the theater watching this. And I swear to God, I've, everybody was turning around in the theater looking at me because the movie started back up again. I'm not kidding. It's two or three minutes after he said, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still <laughs> laughing and I got tears down my face because I just I just couldn't believe it. it just it just went from like zero to a hundred <laughs> so fast. It was fantastic. So uh, uh, Uncle Lover. So we don't have to censor it there. Uh, come, come, comes in at number three for me. Oh
2: man, and like the thing is too, like ha- having done musicals myself, you know, back in the day, and watch, you know, when you watch musicals, when it hits the button at the end of a song, we're conditioned yeah. that it's over. It's just they hit the button. And then to drop that line, like you said, because <laughs> the there's not supposed to be anything else there. It just caught everybody off guard. It was so
1: good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I have it. I still have it on my Spotify. And if it comes on, I'm laughing. Oh, of course.
2: All right. Yeah. So number three, Derek, funniest movie scene ever. What do you got?
0: Oh, let me just say. So, yeah, as Greg mentioned, we, we saw that movie together. And I think the people in the theater, they found this situation funnier because Greg was laughing so much. That made it even funnier. So, <laughs> as we talked about last week, when I was talking about Jackass, like you watch it with the right group of people, and the laughter's infectious. But oh, oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, my number three, uh, also, you know, dick and fart jokes. We're going to stick with what what you know. We're going to stick with the one who brought us here. I'm going to go with uh, the 1999 film that we actually reviewed on this podcast a while back, American Pie. Mm. And you might think I'm going to go with the scene where the dude has sex with the pie, but I'm not going to. Although that one is more of an honorable mention, partly because that's a very short scene. I'm going to go with the longer extended sequence where Jim does the strip tease for Nadia and he has the webcam on and the scene starts innocently. And well, not innocently, like not so much funny as much as, you know, these teenage boys trying to look at the naked girl. And, And so it's not so much funny as much as, okay, well, where is this going? Then he goes back to try and like get it on with her, and he thinks he's covered the webcam so that he can do embarrassing things in private. And then, of course, the the shirt he throws over the cam falls, and everyone can still see what's happening. And he's doing his stupid, ridiculous dance, and and then, you know, he, he gets invited to sit on the bed with the girl, and then he finishes prematurely. And then you think, oh well, it's over. But no it starts to get more and more ridiculous. And then of course things start to pick up again. And all the people meanwhile are watching it, on the webcam and it keeps cutting to all the different scenes. It's like a a bunch of girls that he goes to school with it's his, his his buddies in the, you know, down the street, it's his, it's a guy, Stifler and Stifler's little brother are watching it. And it's, it's even blink 182, the band who has a song on the soundtrack. They're in the, they're supposed to be people in the scene. I think they even said, Oh, that guy's in my trick class. And it's all the people like start rooting for, I'm like, Oh my God, the nerd's going to get the girl. And it's just starting to get, and of course he's being ridiculous. So you're laughing at it. And then of course, just when you think things are going to go his way, he finishes prematurely again. And they're all like, (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then like when he does it, they're like, Oh, again, it's just the, the comedy of just everyone's reactions, how you can deliver the same line, seven or eight different ways. And every way just makes it a little funnier and a little funnier and a little funnier. And I remember reading something with the, with, um, Biggs, the, the performer who who you know did it with the pie and did the strip tease. And he basically said, he goes, if I felt awkward doing it as a performer, I knew it was gonna be funny. And believe me, you watch this thing and it is funny because he is ridiculously awkward.
2: So American Pie, my number three, the strip tease, strip tease sequence. Awesome. Okay, I mentioned earlier that some of the greatest comedy, you know, deals with uncomfortable things and putting things out there that you normally wouldn't kind of address. And my number three definitely addresses that. And I'm going with Airplane, which is one of the probably the one of the funniest movies ever made, if not the funniest movie. But the scene I'm going with is the two jive talking guys on the air. Nice. They speak this make believe African-American vernacular that you cannot understand. So, of course, the whole scene has subtitles so you can tell what they're saying. And it starts off like they're just talking to each other, you know, like they're like that honky be messing with my old lady. I run cold upside down his head, you know. The other guy's like, I say, hey Scott, something you see you wanna say? Pray to Jay, I get the same old same old. And the guy's like, self approach, slick. you get that great matter back before you get TCB and man. He's like, you know what they say? See abroad, get a booty and leg her down and smack them yak them Co gotta be, you know shit. And the scene is funny enough, like you're watching this, but it's the subtitles. So when he says, pray to Jay, I get the same old, same old, the subtitle's like I once knew a man in a similar predicament and he ended up being sorry. <laughs> and the guy's like, Oh hey man, how am I gonna dig it? I ain't gonna lay up no big rap on you, man. Yes, he is wrong for doing that. <laughs> and then at the end when he says S- Golly <laughs> And when they ordered dinner from the stewardess, and he's like, Bat babes, let me a piece of porter drink side so run the Java. I'll have the steak and coffee. Is what he says. And then the other guy's like, yeah, looky, yeah, I can dig some of that grease and chomp it on some butter, drag it through the garden. I'll have the fish and vegetables. <laughs> it's so funny. And again, just this whole sort of, I don't know, uncomfortable stereotypical notion that you can't understand the vernacular. It's just played out. It's, just, it's better than anything else I've ever seen. The whole scene, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. That's my number three. So <laughs> on nice. to your number two, Craig. what do you got?
1: Uh, just, just to go back to the airplane yeah. scene, I, I, my favorite part with the the two ch- uh, jive talking guys was when Barbara Billingsley uh, from Leave It to Beaver. Well, again, uh, because
2: that whole uncomfortable yeah. thing, what would be yeah. better to understand the vernacular than the whitest woman in America,
1: Barbara? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> that's what I, I love. And she's like, "Oh, Leave I speak Chinese." Jive. So jive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my number, uh, I guess, where we at? Number two. Number two. We're getting there. Yeah, number yeah. two. It, it's it's a bit of a lengthy one because it, it it actually blends it's it's two scenes that blend into one okay and that's uh the scene from uh there's something about mary when uh ben stiller comes to pick up uh, cameron Diaz to go to oh, the prom yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah like just from the beginning when he rings the doorbell and and the father answers the door and it, it's it's keith david from uh, the longest fight sequence in the history of movies uh they live yep. <laughs> yeah. he, he sees the dad and you see him make this awkward smile, and then he casually leans back <laughs> to make sure he has the right house number. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's like, it's like, is Mary here? And so they, they go inside, and then where it gets funny is he's trying to get into the good books with the family and with Mary and everything, and he knows that her, her brother, uh, Warren, uh, he has a love for uh, his baseball, right? And he lost his baseball, so. Uh, Ted thinks he's like I'm gonna get in good, you know, and this and that, and so he goes over and goes, "Hey Warren, you know, I guess what I got, I got, I got something for you. I think I, I think I found your baseball, and it's, it's, it's right behind your ear." And and it turns out that if you touch Warren's ear in any way, it triggers him really badly, and all of a sudden he just goes absolutely WWE on him, and he picks him up. (laughs) And <laughs> he slaps him right through the living room table. <laughs> and, he, and he picks him up again. He starts airplane spinning him. And everyone in the family's just yelling at him. What are you doing? What the, why would you do that? He's like, I'm trying to give him a gift. So everybody's like, well, you know, we're going we're to take a break. And Mary's strap on her dress got ripped in the whole uh, uh, fiasco. So she's like, all right, I'm going to go fix my dress strap. So uh, Ben Stiller, who plays Ted, he's like, ah, I'm going to go use the bathroom and whatnot. So. Of course, this is the scene right now. He goes to use the bathroom, and as he's standing at the at the toilet, you know, doing his business, he looks up and he sees these two lovebirds in the tree, and that song comes up. Why do birds suddenly appear? And and as he's doing that, he's all smiles and he's all happy. But then the he, he notices that Mary is now standing in front of the window with her mom and she has no top on. She's just there in her bra and the record scratches. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I was looking at you. I was, I was looking at the birds. I was, I was looking at the birds. And he quickly goes to zip up his zipper and then he just lets out a loud yell and everybody, everybody can hear him. And all of a sudden they're like, what's he doing in there? He's been in there for like a half an hour. And the mother says, "I think he's masturbating," <laughs> oh, and he could hear from the outside. He's like, "I wasn't masturbating. I was, I was watching birds."
2: <laughs>
1: so, and then, uh, and then, uh, and then the father's like, "Maybe, maybe, maybe, maybe he himself." <laughs> Jeez. So, Jeez. He's like, so the father's like, "I gotta go in. I gotta, I gotta get this checked." So, the father goes in and he's looking at him. and goes, "What's with you, man? What's going on in here?" And he's like, "I got it. I got it stuck." Like, what do you mean? What did you get stuck? He's like, I got it stuck. And then they zoom in. Uh, like, I didn't think they would do this, but they zoom in on a prosthetic, obviously, of, as they called it, his Frank and beans. And because of what he did, the beans somehow ended up over the Frank. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right. So he's like, he's like, oh, man, this, this is this isn't good, man. And the father's like, I'm going to call in my wife. She probably know what to do with this. She's a dental hygienist, <laughs> almost a nurse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she'll she'll know what to do. So she's, she's like, well, what's happened, here? And he's like, he's like, oh, you know, he 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 he's got him. Frank and Beans caught in the zipper, and then Mary's brother's outside yelling, "Frank and Beans, Frank and Beans!" <laughs> and he's like, so so. He got the beans above the frank. He's like, listen, you know, I I can I can just cover it up with my jacket, I'll be fine. Let's not worry about this. But then all of a sudden the police man shows up at the bathroom window <laughs> and he says he says, Oh, I heard a lady screaming. <laughs> I wanted to make sure everything was all right. And then the, the 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 mother who's played by Marky Post from Night Court starts spraying his Frank with back team. <laughs> and then so the fire department's now called in and, and they're like, oh my god, you gotta bring everybody in here. They gotta see this. This is crazy. And they're like, listen, here's the thing. We're, we're, we're gonna pull this zipper off you on the count of three. And you know, everything should be good. So he's like, just take a deep breath and he's like, and a one, and a two. And then there's a big pause. And all of a sudden, the paramedic is wheeling him out in the stretcher. He's yelling, we got a bleeder. Yeah. <laughs> we got a bleeder. And then the whole neighborhood's out because there's fire trucks and police cars and ambulances. And they're they're wheeling him in the stretcher to the ambulance. And, of course, um, Warren, Mary's brother, is standing behind him as they're bringing him to the ambulance. He was masturbating. <laughs> he was masturbating. And then, they, and then, of course, the, the, the scene ends with they try to load him into the ambulance and they drop him on his head because the stretcher falls <laughs> and cracks his head off the back of the stretcher. So I uh, I go with number two. There's something about Mary, the prom scene. There you nice. go. All right.
0: Nice. So, <laughs> Derek, what do you got for your number two? All right. Uh, so you had spoken earlier, uh, Greg, your number five pick. You were telling us the scene with Zach Galifianakis. I'm going with the scene from The Hangover. Also featuring Zach Galifianakis making his second appearance on our list here. Uh, I'm going with the scene in the police station, also known as the scene in your face, in the face. <laughs> it's where the, the three guys, they basically at this point, they've, they've, inadvertently stolen a police car. Of course, they have no memory of what's happened the night before. That's the whole premise of the movie. And they get brought into the police station, and the two officers are reading them the riot act. And they're like, well, you're going to jail for a couple of days. We can't get you in front of a judge till Monday. You know, good luck with that. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. We're supposed to go to our friend's wedding tomorrow. We need to figure this out. And so they make a deal with them. They go, look, you know, you don't want people to find out that we took your police car and we certainly won't tell them what happened. Why don't we do something for each other here? And then, so the police officers are like, yeah, okay, we got it. And then it cuts to a scene where it's all these children that are visiting the police station and the cops are like, okay, class, these three volunteers have, have graciously allowed us to use them as an example of what happens when you get shot with a stun gun. And the three guys are like, what? That's what we're agreeing to. And so you proceed to have these three different seats. So the first one, he comes up and he just, uh, he zaps the guy in the neck. He goes, you can do this nice up close and personal. And he falls over. And of course everybody laughs. And then, uh, and then he goes, okay, pretty boy, come on up. And he's pointing to, um, to bradley cooper and of course he goes come here pretty boy and zach galifianakis walks forward <laughs> and he's like not you fat jesus <laughs> and then, and then they bring over bradley cooper and he's like okay which of you students wants to shoot this guy with a stun gun so he picks this nice young girl and she comes up and she shoots him right in the nards and so of course he gets zapped with a stun gun and he falls over and of, of course everyone's laughing then, uh, then you're like, okay, last one. He's like, who else wants to do it? Now in a previous scene, Zach Galifianakis had been mean to this little boy while they were in the waiting room. And that of course is the boy they pick. And so it becomes like your old West showdown where they give the kid the stun gun and the cops like, okay, just point it at him. Just point and shoot, point and shoot. And you can see the kid raising the stun gun higher and higher. He's, you know, he starts at his crotch and then his chest and then his face. And it's like at the top of his head, And then he finally pulls the trigger and the thing just fires right into Zach Elphinax's face and it starts like zapping him. And of course he doesn't fall right away. He starts sort of wandering towards the kid and all the little kids in the class are freaking out. And then the cop comes up and has to like zap him a second time. And he's like, all right. He's like, some of these guys, you got to hit them twice, but When he's when he shoots him in the face, literally the cop is killing himself laughing in the face, in the face. It's just so, so funny. I had to watch it two or three times again before the recording tonight just to remind myself of how funny it is. I also want to give just an honorable mention. The Hangover has a lot of really good scenes, but the the credit scene where they find the camera. And you get to see in in the still pictures, everything that's happened that, that the night before that none of them remember. That was a close second for me. But the, the police station scene is absolutely my pick on this one. So my number two is The Hangover.
2: All right. My number two. I think I'm going to surprise a few people with my top two picks because both are from movies that came out after 2000. But... With these two, I'm going to go with the two movies that made me laugh the loudest in public. So, uh, Greg, you mentioned earlier you laughed so much when you went to see South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut in the theater. Both of these movies I saw in the movie theater and no word of a lie, laying on the floor, laughing my head off. So, my number two is Borat from 2006. (laughs) I went to the movie theater to see this with my wife. Now, we were just dating back then. We weren't yet married. And we also went with my, my good buddy, Mike Hilbig. Who was my co host from the Dear Mr. Fantasy podcast? He was the fantasy doctor and he was there with his girlfriend, later became his wife. So, the scene that I like from this movie that is just so funny is the nude wrestling scene. So, setting it up, Borat, Borat is in love with Pamela Anderson. He's on this quest to meet her and he has this magazine of her with pictures of her in Baywatch. He carries this magazine everywhere with him, right? It's like he's shrined to her. And so the scene starts, he's in a bathtub in the hotel room and he gets out, he puts on a towel, comes into the hotel room and there's his producer, Azamat, played by Ken Davidian, buck naked, laying on the hotel bed, pleasuring himself (laughs) to the picture of Pamela Anderson. So Borat freaks out, you know, this is his his love of his life, right? So he lunges at (laughs) Azamat, completely nude, right? And then Borat's towel comes off so that they're both naked. And they just start fighting. And there's this like a long black sensor box over Borax's genitals. But Azamat is so fat. You can't even see his genitals. So there's (laughs) there's no need to have a sensor box over his. (laughs) Oh my God, it's so funny. And the thing is, it just keeps going and going and going. And like, it just doesn't end. And then they eventually like go out into the hallway. And they start fighting and they go down the hall. And then it just cuts to this huge convention hall in the hotel. There's like this mortgage convention going on. Borat and Ozma Bora and are, are completely nude. And they, they break into this and they're wrestling with each other naked. And again, it just keeps going and going. You're like, what the hell? And the best thing is like they made this movie like they blended scripted parts With reality. So, all the attendees that are at the mortgage conference had no idea that this was going to happen. So, all of their reactions are like, they're real, right? And they're like, they're there for this mortgage conference. And suddenly, these two guys break in naked and start wrestling. And in the movie theater, when I saw this, my buddy Mike and I were laughing so hard. We were both crying, like tears literally streaming down our face. And the scene is over. And both of our wives, like, look at us and they're like, They didn't seem to find it as funny as we did. Go figure. (laughs) (laughs) And And they both look at us and they're like, you guys are crying. Like, what the actual hell? Like, I don't know if it's just a guy thing. I don't. But that scene was so funny. Oh, my God. I'll never forget how much I laughed in the theater. And the girls still married both of us. So there was that. So go figure. So that was my number two. Funniest movie scene of all time. Oh my god! Even just thinking about it, I just so <laughs> funny. So. Uh. <laughs> oh so we're moving. On. We're moving on now to our number one. This should be really good. But so, so Greg, take it away. What's your number one? It's funniest movie scene of all.
1: Time. Give, me, give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the fact funny. that Ozma doesn't need a censor box because his <laughs> gut covers it up It's like I forget, what I totally the hell? About oh, that it's scene. So funny! Totally forgot about that scene. God, that was good. <laughs> Such a good scene. <laughs> the fact that he's willing to do
2: this and run around, and you can't see anything anyway. He's so fat; <laughs> it's like covered up. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> all
1: right, for my number one. My number one scene. Uh, when I went to university, in my first year of communication classes, we had this teacher called Dr. Cunningham that we called Colonel Sanders. And he uh, he was all upset because uh, they were funding uh, tax dollars, money to make Canadian movies that were garbage, as, as he called it. He said, Canadian content is not sexy. And he, he went on a rampage and, and a tirade about... Canadian tax money was being used to make Porkies <laughs> oh. in, in 1981, right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, i like, okay. I lost all respect for that guy when he said Porkies was garbage. But anyways, so uh, of course, Porkies. The, the infamous scene in Porkies is the, it, the the scene that I pick. It leads up to it. So the infamous scene is of course when Tommy uh, finds the hole in the girl's shower and he sticks his his wiener through the hole and tries to get the girls to come and and touch his wiener. And, of course, the gym teacher comes his Mrs. Ballbreaker and grabs a hole of it and just won't let go. And so the scene that I love, though, is not that scene. It's the follow-up where they're in the principal's office. (laughs) (laughs) And, And so she's sitting down with the principal, Mr. Carter, and she's trying to say to him, you know, I, I want the police to come in <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, I want the police to come in and investigate this. Now the funniest part of the whole scene is the, the, the coaches that are in the back just trying to keep a straight face, trying not to laugh, but they can't. They just keep giggling and giggling and she's, she's saying to the principal, I, I would like for you to line up five, five boys for just a few minutes and, and, and nude and and have the police come in and I could identify this this penis because I had a mole on it and and we're gonna do a police lineup <laughs> to, uh, to try and, uh, to try and figure it out and we could put hoods over their heads. <laughs> and so the principals like, I can, I can't be doing that. you know, it's a, you, know the, you can't have nude boys out here. And of course the, the, the gym teachers suggest, oh well, maybe we could have a, a police sketch artist. <laughs> come in and they could they could draw it and we could put up wanted posters around the school saying have you have you seen this this <laughs> last scene hanging out in the girl's locker room so uh it, it's a bit of a shorter sequence uh but uh i, I i'm gonna go with porky's uh, the principal's office is my favorite comedy scene of all time
2: and it was boyd Gaines and Derek mcgrath that just sell that scene it's yeah. uh, the two of them at the forefront, just laughing and laughing and laughing. Oh my God. That was so good. Oh, that was a good yeah. one. I like it. Nice. All right. Number one, Derek, uh, funniest scene of all time. What is funniest it? scene of all time. Mm-hmm.
0: No question for me. The 40 year old virgin when Steve Carell has his chest waxed.
2: Oh God. Yes. Oh God. That's funny.
0: Oh. It, it Definitely. Like you were saying, when we saw this in the theater, crying, tears were going down my face. This, this scene was hilarious. And you learn after that, he obviously really had to do this. And so they had set it up and he said, I'll do this for the sake of comedy, but we're doing this once.
2: Well, that's so, all you can do it. You can only do yeah. it once the hair comes off. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, so a lot of what's happening there is genuine reactions. And then the sort of the lines that the people are saying, a lot of them are just, script, uh, you know, not scripted. They're just improv,ed whatever they, especially Steve Carell, as he's like yelling and screaming when he's in pain. And he even said like, he had no idea what he was going to say. He was just sort of letting the moment take him. So he says some ridiculous things, but even the reactions of the other guys as this is happening, they, oh, they yes. throw in some comments here and there, but it, it it goes to that same idea that I talked about last week with jackass, something that men find hilarious about seeing other men suffer pain, whether it's getting kicked in the butt kicked in the nuts, or in this case, having their very, very hairy chest waxed. And the, 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 the great, you know, the poor woman that's doing the waxing. Like she's being berated nonstop. And she's even laughing. The performers oh, yeah. laughing. Like, one, two, three. <laughs> yeah. And on the one of the times, she goes, one, two. And then she pulls it. And he's like, oh, you didn't even say three. You pulled it on two. <laughs> and he's like calling her these most despicable names. Cause he's obviously in genuine pain. And what part of what makes it scene even funnier is as she rips off the the like the tape with the with the the wax on it, she leaves them right there on the table next to him. So you can see each time she does it, just more and more and more of them just piling up on the side. And uh, of course his his buddies are there, Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen, and they are just like both laughing and trying to not watch because it's clearly, they're like, ooh, I'm glad that's not me, which makes it 10 times funnier. There's even the one other performer, he's like, okay, I gotta leave, I'm gonna throw off. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you have the different reactions Oh, it's so funny. He calls him a man lantern at the end because yes. it's just like they did a face.
2: Oh my god. It's, it's if you go sh- back and watch that, look at Paul Rudd's reaction. Because it's real. And he's trying not to laugh like in the yes. scene too much to make it, but he just can't stop. And I think that might be the first time we ever saw, like, in a feature film where there was something happening where you knew it was it was real because they were ripping his hair out, and he was bleeding. Like, yes, like so, it was really happening. And like, not only does he do expletives, but he he yells at one point, "Kelly Clarkson!" Like that, <laughs> that became a swear word somehow. Like, oh god! Yeah, oh no, god, that, that it, so I funny.
0: mean, the forty year old version has a lot of good sequences. It does. Um, uh, some of them, unfortunately, don't hold up as much twenty years later. But uh, you know, they're not nearly as politically correct. Not that they were probably politically correct then. And we've talked about that with a lot of older movies. But that scene in particular, with the with the waxing, hands down, number one, no question. Again, I watched it before this podcast just to refresh it, and I was killing myself. My wife had to come downstairs. She goes, "What are you watching? It's
2: So funny!" I go, "I'm doing homework for the podcast." She's like, okay. So that's my number one. Love it. So it's 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 hard to believe after my number two that it's hard to believe that I laughed more than I did at the Borat nude wrestling scene. But I actually did. So there's one scene that takes top spot for me, and it's the marionette sex scene in Team America World Police. Nice. So, nice. Good pick. Trey Parker and Matt Stone are two of the funniest people on the planet hands down. South Park has probably made me laugh more than anything else in the world over the years. Oh man, and when I went to see this movie, there was there was actually quite a few scenes in this movie that had me laughing big time like At the beginning, the Broadway musical lease with the song Everyone Has AIDS. Everybody has AIDS. I was was so And then when when Spotswood gets Gary in the car and he's like, Oh no, it's all gonna be good now. What? (laughs) And then of course every time Matt Damon's on screen. Matt Damon But, and and actually the second funniest scene in the movie for me, I want to give it a little bit of a, of an honorable mention when Gary's puking in the alley and the puke is just coming. It's like a hose. It's like, I was just laughing like so much again. I love it when comedy just gets like dragged out. It just keeps, you think it's over and it just keeps going and going and going. It's like, Oh, the puke scene was like that. But the funniest scene in the movie, like I mentioned, the loudest I've ever laughed in a movie theater, my entire life. The marionette sex scene. So it starts out with these two marionettes kissing, and then they're naked, but they're like they're not anatomically correct, right? So so that's what makes it so funny. Again, going back to what I said before, you know, you can just sort of disarm it, you know, by doing this. They start with these different positions, and like that's funny, and then it just keeps going and going. It's it, it it just oh they they push the envelope further and further, and then eventually it ends up then like he. And then she on his chest. And it's like, it's like that scene had me laughing so hard. I I thought I was going to hurt myself. And it's way more funny because it's like just the absurdity of it all. You know, like these marionettes and like, and like, like I said, like the, it's the stuff that makes people uncomfortable and like sex makes people uncomfortable right like especially when it's i displayed think you're doing it wrong chris <laughs> no but i mean like when people see it in the movie like some people get you know they get uncomfortable with that stuff so what better way to disarm the whole thing than using two marionettes you know that are not like like i said trey parker matt stone two of the funniest people on earth but to be their funniest scene ever and i mean that's saying a lot because like i mean they've had a lot of funny scenes but their funniest scene ever there was the marionette Sex scene, the puppet sex from Team America World Police. So that's what I'm going with. So you guys agree? Obviously, that was a good scene. You yeah, love it. I love,
1: the, I love the build up right before it starts, where she's like, "I, I hope you, 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 Gary, that you, you never die." And he looks at it, he's like, "That's ridiculous, man. Everybody's got to die." And she goes, "If you told me right now that you would never die." I'd make love to you. He looks at her. I promise. I will never die. I promise. (laughs) I will never die.
2: (laughs) That's right. I forgot so. I I
1: used to work with a guy whose name was Gary, and every time I addressed him, I I would get the voice of the guy from Team America. (laughs) So I'd be like, "How's your evening, Gary?" Like that. And I always love that line too, where he's on the screen at the end. He's like, "Gary is the type of man that would." for his country <laughs> <laughs> I know because he did it last night <laughs> <laughs> and then
2: he's like all embarrassing like,
1: ooh did I-? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that
2: was that Spotswood he was so funny that guy oh yeah. my god oh that was awesome alright so what did we say that we've had a lot of fun but let's have even more fun and we'll do this fun with Caveman <laughs> All right, we are going to play a game here, guys, that I like to call... Okay, you guys can team up, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a quote, a funny quote from a comedy movie. All you have to do, name the movie it comes from. Super easy, okay. right? All right. And you guys can team up. So you got two heads are better than one, all right? Start with some easy ones. First quote, no ma'am, we're the police.
1: Is that the Blues Brothers?
2: Yes, it is. It's the Blues Brothers right here. Okay. No more Yankee My Wanky. The Donger need food.
1: That's uh, 16 Candles.
2: You'll shoot your eye out. The Christmas
1: Story.
2: Derek, you don't like that movie either, so I'm really surprised. No, I do. Oh, you do? I thought you didn't like that yeah. One. yeah. All right. Yeah, but I shoot with this hand. Oh, is that Blazing Saddles?
1: It is.
2: All right, here's one. Snap out of it.
1: Oh, is that Sheriff from Moonstone? Yeah.
2: Very there there good. I'll be taking these huggies and whatever cash you
1: got. Oh, Raising so. Arizona. Yeah.
2: I can see. I have legs.
0: Oh, 48 hours. No, no. Trading no.
2: places. That's the one. Yeah. Trading places is correct. You got Eddie Murphy, right? Went wrong with Yeah. You. All right. Don't be jealous that I've been chatting online with babes all day.
1: That Napoleon
2: Dynamite? Good pull, Greg. Thanks. He got me, but I tore one of that bastard's eyes out.
1: I have no idea. Anchorman?
2: No, it's Happy Gilmore. That was Chubbs that oh, we mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. Damn. He got me, but I tore one of that bastard's eyes out. Remember he had it in the jar? All right. I'm a loner, Dottie. A rebel.
0: Oh, that's uh, Pee-Wee's Big Adventure.
1: Very good.
2: What's wrong with being sexy? Well,
1: that's bottle tap, man. Get it. Go. Sexist, sexist. <laughs> sexist.
2: All right, and the last one, that boy is good.
1: Oh, that's uh, coming to America. Very good.
2: Wow. You got almost all of them, eh? That awesome. Yeah, jeez, we yeah. only missed the one. I know. Eh? Nice. And I'm glad was Greg a was here. I didn't know context. They could be a yeah. little bit hard, but you guys got them all, so that was pretty good. Except for nice. one, I say. So, uh, big thanks, Greg, for joining us again. It was really nice to have you come in, like I say, in a capacity other than just doing you know music and stuff. And we had lots of
1: laughs. So, just hey, man, I, I'm a jerk of all trades, as they say. So, <laughs> <laughs> movies, music, books, I'm all good. So. Thanks for having me, though. I had a lot of fun. I, I had a good laugh tonight. Thank you. I appreciate it. You are it.
2: welcome back anytime, and we will be having Perfect. you back again soon, I'm sure. Uh, Derek, we'll come back next time. We'll have a, a topic of some kind. We'll do something together where we always come up with an idea. You know, we, we absolutely do it. So until next week, this is Chris McBrien on behalf of myself and Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. for listening to pop goes your world you can contact chris and derek at popgoesyourworld.com please take a minute and review the podcast on itunes or wherever you download and listen to the show